As together we remain standing, as we look at screens, let's confess together, first of all, our Christian pledge. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands. One Savior crucified, risen and coming again with life and liberty to all who believe. And together, our national creed, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Can we think about these things together? Please, as you're seated. To say what we just said, that's controversial, especially these days. To declare allegiance to God and country, well, that's been a no-brainer for quite some time and heartwarming as well. But to pledge one or the other or both together, that can cause some problems, at least for many. We've got an interesting situation, don't we? For some, maybe even a dilemma. While this is something that's before us, there was a time when almost nobody would bat an eye saying what we just said, one time and for another. This weekend, especially these days, is a good time to think through these things. God and country, and to do so from our perspective, that is a Christian perspective, to take time out and look hard at these things. And maybe we should start with the really basics, huh? The basics are God rules and also government as well. And in saying that, we acknowledge as God's people that he's ruler number one, he rules over everybody and everything. That's the truth from our perspective. And yet, there's government, and government has rules, and government has authority over us. Christians as well. You heard, and listen again to part from Romans chapter 13, so important. Let everyone, God says through St. Paul, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there's no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. That's God speaking through St. Paul even in the midst of a culture where the government was not so good. In fact, it was quite not so good. As we look at government and authority through the ages, particularly the biblical age, it's interesting. You read the book of Genesis, and there's hardly a mention, a notion of government. Adam and Eve and then the likes of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 
there's no government even mentioned except maybe one or so from the outside. And then when we get to Exodus, it's really only a leader and the people around Moses that we learn about with somewhat in the background, the nation of Egypt and its rulers. Joshua, as he conquered the land that would become the promised land too, there was no sense of government among them except those in that land that they were called to possess. But then came along the judges, authorities in a tribal sense as they were established and as they functioned. Moving on to kings. God was cautious about that and told his people, you really don't want those. But he relented to their demands and offered kings. And that's when government really came into focus. Before that, a theocracy, God himself ruling directly. And then by the days of the kings, God ruling through those human people and institutions. And it's the same really with the New Testament. As we heard Jesus speak in today's gospel, it was Caesar and the Romans in the background, but government there among God's people was really only the authority of the religious leaders. And that's where we are today with government that has been established. Some good, maybe even great by some people's standards, some not so good and even evil. And how we bring those imperfect human rules together is important. It's important to understand, first of all, the church, the people of God in Jesus. Our job is the call of God, Acts chapter 1, to be the Lord's witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. We are God's witnesses to what he's done for us in Jesus Christ, brought us back to himself, worked faith within us, and calling us to a new life. As Jesus commanded right before he left this earth, go and make disciples of me. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching. That's the church's call. The government is distinctively different. The government is in place to help people be kept in line. The government's job is to keep order in the world because we people are flawed. We easily go astray. The government rules and keeps order and provides X, Y, Z, and whatever else. But the two, the two are separate, both in being and in function, the church and the government. When you think about it, in government, all it can do is govern behavior. It can govern what we do and what we are not supposed to do. It tries to curb that bad behavior and encourage what is good. And in that regard, there's only so much, only so much that government can do. And it's good for us in our setting to remember. Remember that we are the government. We are the ones of the people, by the people, and for the people who give 
representatives' authority to rule in government. We can criticize, we can commend, as long as we do that peacefully and lawfully. That's our agreement. God's rule is different. We call that the kingdom of God. It's what the Bible calls it. And it's not a territory. It's not a geographical entity. The kingdom of God is God ruling in one's heart. Ruling there. And you see, that's significantly different because the government works on behavior outside and works toward our being, our nature inside. God turns things all around and he rules within people's hearts, which then leads us to live the kind of life that he desires for us. It goes well beyond and it gets into people's hearts by God's own doing, the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit we're talking about as we take a book, uh, a break from the book of Acts, but yet the Holy Spirit is very much involved in this. But then it's important to understand that government and the church, God's rule, intersect. They overlap at a number of points. And here's the interesting part. And by interesting, I mean difficult, because a lot of difficulties come out of this. God's standards, on the one hand, and God's standards are the perfect ones. And you know, from the outside, sometimes people believe that God's standards are to take all the fun out of living. Not so. We confess, we believe, that God's standards are to enrich our lives, to show our proper respect for him, to lead us to the fullness of life that we can find in Jesus. Government standards they change. They change with the people and their predilections and their wants and their desires. They're situational and they're not enduring as God's are. We may be okay with them now, those laws and prescriptions, but one day, well, things have a way of turning around and government keeps on making laws again and again, but not God not God at all. When they come together, God's law and government's law, there are times in which the two conflict. And you and I as Christians are caught in the middle many times as those conflicting things come to bear on us. So, so what shall we do? To whom do we owe allegiance? And how does that allegiance get expressed. By God's design, he has put government where it is, and he has called you and me as God's own people to obey. In Romans 13, again, you heard Romans, St. Paul, God himself tells us that it's necessary to submit to the authorities. God places authority over us and yet that authority over us is responsible to God. You see, and that's what's important to understand. Authority is there to be obeyed, even in the human realm. But that same authority is responsible to God. The two go together. It may not look like it, 
but it's true. And that's what we heard in today's gospel. God, there were people that would try to trap Jesus. Which one is it, God or country? If Jesus would have answered God, they would have said, you're an insurrectionist against the government. If he would have said government is the top ruler, then it was undercutting religion. It was undercutting God's role in all of it. And here is where things get more difficult still with rendering to Caesar and rendering to God. All believers, catch this, all of us who believe in God through Jesus Christ, we are bound to follow God's laws. But unbelievers, not. Why would unbelievers feel bound to follow God's law? They, they don't respect him. They don't honor him. Many don't even acknowledge him to be the Lord, let alone in authority. And so they will not. They do not, they do not subject themselves. So we've got problems as believers and unbelievers live together. What can we do? We are compelled to unbelievers to follow God's law? I don't know how we can do that. It's apples and oranges. Unbelievers following God's law, there, there's not that tie. There's not that compulsion. But there are a few things that we can do. And the first, and maybe the most important, is to give demonstration how good it is to be under God's rule. To live and to show others what a beautiful thing it is not something taking the joy out of living, but finding the joy to live the kind of life that God intended and still intends. And that's what his law and his gospel are really all about. The trouble is, is that we often forget. We often neglect. We often get caught in that trap and we give in to behavior around us. And we ignore don't live up to, don't even try sometimes to live by God's plan. And that creates big problems. And the trouble is shown by study after study that our behavior, our way of living under God doesn't look that different than those who don't. That's a real problem. But on the other side, the problem is an opportunity to live the distinctive lives that come about when God rules in our hearts and it gets shown in our lives. The second way we can deal with this crunch, this opportunity, is to try to get others who don't connect with God in faith to try to in influence them, to try to make the case to them that God's ways are best, to influence, not to dictate. This is the opportunity we have to find ground that's common ground so that wherever people are in their understanding and where we are, that there are places where our faith, our morals overlap. And to make a case there is a good beginning, even as we show the, the greatness of living under God's law. For instance, the issue of life. While we believe that it comes from God and is sacred, 
there's something inherent in human beings that says life is valuable. It is important. It is to be honored. And that common ground can be something we can work off of, even with those who don't share our faith. And also, what we can do when crunch time comes is to remember that freedom in Christ and the Bible talks about that it's not the same as what country believes is freedom. Freedom in Christ and freedom of country, they're freedom, but they're not the same. They're different because we find our freedom in Jesus Christ, not in a country, not in our circumstance and way of organizing. We never should equate the two, but remember and understand that freedom in Christ may overlap a bit, but is fundamentally different than a freedom of a country. And here's where it comes into focus sharply. How we live and operate here is important, but there's something greater in which we live. The book of Hebrews points us very pointedly to what we've been alluding to already in talking about our ancestors in the faith. The book of Hebrews says they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth, nomads, transients, exiles, or landed immigrants. <laughs> That's what they called us Americans when we went to Canada to live for a while. Felt like I just got off the boat someplace. But there was always that, that sense that we were different to a degree than those who were around us as Canadian citizens. That's how it is with us as Christians. Aliens, strangers, even nomads and transients as we live under government with others today. Hebrews says that they, people like us of faith, were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. When it all comes together, which is only seen in part here and now when it all comes together in heaven. St. Paul affirmed the very same thing in his letter to the Philippians when he said, our citizenship is in heaven. And amidst everything, this is what we need to remember. When I was young, going to Lutheran day school, weekly chapel, one of my favorite hymns became what we sang to begin today's worship, I'm but a stranger here. I guess even at unknown levels that clicked in my mind and even in my soul. God's rule in our hearts is because of what Jesus is all about. What he said and did for us in our sin, in our weakness, in our brokenness. As he came to live our life and live it perfectly, to open up to us a new way of living. That's why we're strangers on the one hand, but citizens of heaven on the other that makes all the difference in the world. In this, we remember, and in this, we work for God's rule to grow. Because as the Psalms say, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Or Proverbs, righteousness exalts a nation. We remember, we can be the influence in the places where we live. And Jeremiah warned people then and us today, if we repent, and that's you and me, 
and ultimately others, but especially beginning with you and me. If we repent, he will not punish. That's his call to the new life, to open up what he really fundamentally desires. And one other thing, please get this and keep this straight. America is not the promised land, and we are not the chosen people. Well, there may be some similarities. That's not the beginning point of all of this, nor the end point. The promised land, America, and we, the chosen people. That's not what this, that's Bible. That's history. You know, God has truly blessed us, to be sure. He has used us positively again and again. If we're smart, we'll understand that. We will, and we will thank God for that as we call upon him and be an influence to align all folks with his rule. So what can we do? What could we do? We can be informed. We can learn more and more about allegiance to God and allegiance to country, not fall into that trap that was laid there for Jesus. Give to Caesar what belongs to him, but give to God what belongs to him and to share what we believe and to do so winsomely and lovingly, not with a hammer, but with lives of witness, and to be involved in our communities, to be involved with the issues that are around us, and to honor, to honor those who serve, and take a stand, to take a stand for what we believe as we make it known and not succumb. And yes, to pray to pray to God in all things for his rule to spread and grow within us and through us. To that I say, amen.